Welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present Nikki Mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, Mambas. Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's Martha and... Ashley. I feel like it's been a hundred million years since we recorded last. I was just going to say that. I know, which is why it's so strange to sit in this chair at like, you know, on the ground and it's just, it's, we're so glad to be back. I feel like so much has happened even just with, um, you know, the month of November and now we're in December mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, like the holidays and the end of this year just snuck up on us. Totally. I know. It kind of feels with the pandemic that the holidays are like kind of here, but not really. Yeah. So oh yeah. It feels a little out of balance. And but. I think that's why this, this episode is yeah. very timely for us. Um, <laughs> as you know, on our podcast, we have the opportunity to interview, uh, mamas, Nikki mamas hear about their journeys, their stories with their babies. And we also have the opportunity to interview experts in, um, the fields of mental health and NICU and community support, um, because these topics directly affect us as NICU moms, and we want to want to make sure that we're providing content that supports you and uplifts you. So today we have our our favorite favorite special guest that we have on all the time, <laughs> Natalie Ryder of Prairie Land Counseling LLC. Hi, Natalie. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me. I love being on this podcast. So thank you for having me. I got to tell you, we still, I'm sure you see this too, Ashley. To this day, we still have moms who find us through the podcast and they will listen to the episodes about PMADs and trauma that we've done with you. And it just changes everything for them. So mm-hmm. it, it, I think that's the cool yeah. thing about the podcast format, right? Like it lives forever. Yeah. It will be constantly relevant. So thank you so much. We're so grateful that you're part of our community. Oh, no, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. You have such a wonderful platform. <laughs> I'm also excited for when COVID isn't a thing and we can do in-person events together again. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was so special. So I can't wait till we get to do that too. Yes. yes, I just can't wait to leave my house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amen. Ain't that the truth? Um, well, it, we wanted to do today's episode um, because we are in the time of holiday. And as we've moved through these past couple of months, there's been a lot of activity in the world in terms of the pandemic and the election and everything. And it's kind of can create these, these moments of tensions with our families and friends, especially for NICU mamas. Um, and we really wanted to talk about setting healthy boundaries and what that looks like. Yes. Amen. The word boundary, I feel like, especially in the NICU community, we hear that word tossed around a lot, but it can be kind of intimidating and also feel like there's a lot of emotional energy that has to be put into creating them. So sometimes it feels easier to just not. And then we kind of live in that mode for however long and then get to a point where we kind of have to set them. And so I'm excited to have this conversation with Natalie today, especially in this very emotionally driven time of year where a lot of us have decision fatigue often about Mm. what is safe, what's not safe, what's healthy, what's, what is risk, what's not risk. And so I think this conversation about setting healthy boundaries also gives our brain some space to not have to make constant decisions about what, what, and where we're going to be every day. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Literally a hundred percent every day of my life. And I just, I went mm, really loudly when you were talking because literally at you, Ashley and Kendra and I, we are constantly texting each other about like, I don't know how to communicate this with X family member or doing this, or is it okay to go out? Should I do this? What's the right thing? And so being, it's like, feels like it's constantly evolving too right now. It's mm-hmm. yeah. So I think you mentioned it. We hear the word boundary tossed around a lot, Ashley, but what is what is a boundary? How would what would be a simple definition of it? Yeah, you know, I think a really simple definition of what a boundary is is like it's just it's a guideline of how people treat you. Hmm. You know, um there's emotional boundaries, there's physical boundaries, there's safety boundaries. Um 
But a boundary, you know, I think, again, kind of gets a bad connotation and like you need to put up boundaries and and it can feel like I have to be really rigid or I have to um, be very black and white or things like this or that it's going to be like an aggressive confrontation when a boundary is just like, this is how I want you to treat me. These are the things that you can do to respect me. These are the things that you can do to show me that you value me. Um, And so they're just they're really great guidelines on how people should treat you. Hmm. I've never heard it said that way before. I know. Oh my gosh. I'm like, we've got to write that I down for your book, definition. Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I'm already making it into an Instagram quote. Yes. yes. <laughs> she was like envisioning the graphic while it was coming out of your mouth. She's I like, it'll be was. on mom. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So when it comes to how people treat us, you know, why are boundaries helpful and when do we know that it's time to create them? When do we kind of have this light bulb moment of, oh, I think I might need to set healthy boundaries or new boundaries in my life? You know, a lot of times we don't realize that we need to set boundaries until after the fact. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is when we find ourselves like ruminating or having the conversation in our head or um feeling just icky or weird or or you know like encroached upon um and so a lot of times a lot of our boundary work is really evolving because a lot of it is having to recognize this is a boundary that I would I wish I would have had in place mm-hmm. um and so now going forward this is what it has to look like and then the more that we practice boundary setting, the easier it is for us to recognize more in the moment, oh, this is that gross feeling that I was talking about. This means like maybe I need to set a boundary or something about this situation doesn't feel right. So I need to just take a step back. Maybe I can go back in and not have a boundary. But the more that I listen to myself, the more I can recognize that maybe there's something else going on that I need to really look at. Mm-hmm. And so really listening to your how your body responds you know, especially like with like physical boundaries, you know, people talk about like, I like this bubble around me, or I don't really like being touched. Um, you know, I think a really great way to think about um, some basic boundaries is even just kind of reflecting back on young kids. You know, I don't want to hug so-and-so. I don't want to eat that. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to touch that. Like, they're very secure in their boundaries. It's us who are a little <laughs> bit more like, no, Right. Yeah. You know, kind of do it like this. Or it has to kind of be like that or something. Um, but, you know, they respond because they feel a certain way. Mm, yeah. You know, even if they don't know what's going on, they still respond. Mm-hmm. And so really, you know, relearning how to kind of like trust yourself or listen to yourself or if you're having the same conversation or the same topic of conversation in your head that you're always like defending or something like that. That's a really great sign that it's time to set a boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I the, when it comes back to its basis form, it's about listening to yourself. And mm-hmm. it's. Um, I think it's really hard. I know I can speak for myself as someone who's survived trauma. You just uh, – you can really – sometimes you feel icky or threatened or um, – unsafe, right? In a relationship or something, but it's really hard to put your finger on what is it? What was the impetus of it? So I think that's really wise to suggest, you know, taking some time to, for, to reflect on it. Um, cause mm-hmm. in, especially in this world right now, we're just kind of go, go, go. We don't really have time, um, to yeah. give ourselves as moms to reflect like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of times there, a lot of boundaries have kind of blurry edges. And then there, there is that hard line kind of like in the back, um, you know, thinking about like the NICU community, like some blurry edges, just about like, what are the different types of environments we feel safe bringing our children into, um, you know, if they're able to do it, like keep the environment clean in this way, that feels safer. So that's okay. But like, if they're unwilling to do A, B, or C, like that's the hard no, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and um, there's, I don't know if either of you or any of your listeners have listened to or read Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Not yet. Okay. It is amazing. I've heard amazing things about it. It is absolutely <laughs> amazing. And she has, she's telling this story in there about how this person writes her letter um, and their child has recently um, come out as LGBTQI and um, 
the it's around the holidays and this woman's parents want to come visit for the holidays but they're very like anti lgbtq and so she's like i don't know what to do do i do i allow my family to come in do i not and she has this quote that like when i first read it it was like a gut punch um but it says you become a responsible parent when you stop being an obedient daughter hmm. and I think, you know, when we talk about, in particular, like, our NICU children, like, sometimes being the responsible parent means that we're not the obedient children. Mm. Yeah. And I think, for particularly for women, when obedience can be seen as, like, this high trait of success, like, I please my family, I please my partner, I please everyone around me, like, that obedience can be a real source of, like, self-worth. Mm-hmm. And so really putting up that, learning how to put up boundaries can be hard. Yeah. 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 I mean, especially like when we talk about it in the context of motherhood, new motherhood, and especially NICU motherhood, there's so much, it's all brand new, right? So you're really, mm-hmm. um, you've never had the role of parent before. And a lot yeah. of people in our community are new parents, you know, a lot, lots of times NICU baby is first baby. And so, um, it, and it's completely different than the experiences that our parents had too. So it is, um, it is a huge, it's earth shattering for us and for those relationships. And I guess that's important to remember too, right? Um, we wouldn't have had to define these boundaries before because there wasn't a baby before. Right. And, you know, again, like being in the NICU does give you a, like a little bit of a different experience and like flu shots, you mm-hmm. know? Family members who interact have to have flu shots or, you know, um, hand hygiene or, you know, cleaning procedures or different kind of safety protocols or, you know, not kissing on the face and and then all of these other kinds of things that, you know, necessitate a healthy living. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you have had a child and they've not had a NICU experience, you know, that might be new in that sense. This is a first child. Just learning how to set boundaries as a parent is, again, like you said, a brand new experience. And you're also kind of butting up against these expectations that people had about what they thought this this experience would look like. And now it's different. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to add, you know, what after what Martha said of, I think for me, what I didn't expect when I started to set boundaries was the grief that followed setting those boundaries. I think I envisioned myself feeling really empowered and really proud of myself and I'm getting closer to that place. But I think it's one thing that comes with becoming a Nikki mom is maybe the grief of the the mom that you thought you would be. And I think, you know, thinking back to my journey, I wanted to be that mom that was like, oh yeah, you don't need to wear hand sanitizer. Like I'm totally cool with germs or, you know, anybody can hold my baby. I'm totally relaxed. And then my reality was so different from that. And so I think there's also that layer of grief of, you know, the mother that you tried to, that you thought you would always be, and then the reality that you find yourself in. And so I think that took me by surprise when I started to implement those boundaries because it felt very uncomfortable. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like that kind of goes back to that, that this is what I thought this experience was going to be. And now Mm -hmm. it's looking completely different. My expectations are not, you know, the reality doesn't necessarily live to what these expectations were and how do I become okay with that? Right. Well, and I don't know if you guys have felt this way, but it feels like the pandemic touches on every single type of boundary. <laughs> like, yep. You know, there's a the physical like, okay, six feet apart. What are we comfortable with in like a physical sense? Then there's also the emotional. What do I feel comfortable ingesting and digesting every day, whether it's on social media or the news? And then you have like all of this family stuff intertwined with the holidays. And it just feels like there's boundaries that could be set in every single category. Do you guys feel that way? Absolutely. A thousand percent. Yeah, It's so exhausting. Yes, and, it is. Yeah. And in multiple environments too, right? There's, I mean, obviously with our families, but our friends, you know, our friends who have similar age kids to us and are doing different things. And then our workplaces too. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, 
so it's not like you get a there's a break at any point either and then also it's everything it's completely on social media all the time like it's always there right. too yeah um, yeah yep. and I mean I wonder if you could mention as well I I know we talked about kind of a little bit of you know what it would feel like to you know put down a healthy boundary right because you're identifying this doesn't feel good to me and this is where I need to establish it are there such a thing as unhealthy boundaries yeah so you know unhealthy boundaries oftentimes kind of come in when we don't have maybe any boundaries mm. um you know like we just again either they're just like just we might label it like a, it's a good thing i'm just open to everything or you know um i just I'm up for whatever. I'm also like relying too much on on another person or another thing to be kind of like that source of like comfort or reassurance. Um, Also thinking about like, how are you respecting other people's boundaries? Hmm. You know, I think it's really easy to be like, my boundaries are being violated. My boundaries are being kind of encroached upon. But, like, how many times have we, like, and I'm guilty of this as well, said to a friend, well, how about just this one time? Or I know, like, it's for those other people, but maybe not for me. Um, Or if you really loved me, then you would do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. You know? And so part of unhealthy boundaries is recognizing when we're really kind of pushing boundaries for other people and why we feel the need to do that. Yeah, and I imagine, you know, that's part of this self introspective part too, right? It's once you kind of can take the time to evaluate what feels, um, what is creating tension and doesn't feel right for you, I think it starts to really, um, it's a gateway to be able to be more empathetic as well. I'm thinking of, yep. for example, oh my gosh, how how many women in America have been asked when you're having kids? Like, when are you going to have kids? Or when are you going to have the mm-hmm. next kid, right? There's no boundaries surrounding that conversation. And sometimes within immediate families or, you know, your parents or your loved ones keep asking about it. But, um, you know, unless you've had that boundary crossed, it's hard, it's hard to get perspective on why it would hurt or why it would be inappropriate. Um, mm-hmm. So slowly I can see us as a culture doing that. And, um, you know, and that's something that we've been working on for decades. So this pandemic, for example, is brand, brand new. So it's, it's really just a fresh for all of us. Right. And boundaries are best set when you can explain why they are important to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, I really need you guys to get the flu shot this year. Um, you know, we're bringing Susie home from the NICU. She has a really Im- compromised immune system. Um, and this is a really great way to um, kind of gather around and show love and support. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I liked what you, the way you just said it. It was, it was really clear, right? It was, mm-hmm. I need this because of this. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of circling back with the, because I love you and I want you to be a part of our lives. Um, now I can text that to Ashley every day of the week and I can be like, Ashley, just tell them what you need. You know what I mean? But when it's yourself, Mm -hmm. it's so hard to do. I wonder, you know, especially right now, you know, sometimes we clarify this and maybe we are super clear and straightforward, but then it causes tension or there's someone in our family or our loved ones who are resistant. Why can't, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, I think Thanksgiving was such a great example of this, right? Everyone had different senses of safety or feeling about um, gathering with family, right? And sometimes it changed day to day how you felt. And and it was really confusing to to really try to decide what felt right in the moment for certain family members and, um, uh, and to navigate the relationships versus your personal safety, it was very complicated. Um, so say that you said you did or you didn't want to meet on Thanksgiving and then there was another things, another family member who had an opposing view, you know. Um, what are some ways that we can guide those conversations to end up well? You know, I think coming from a point of, you know, like compassion and empathy, and I think one of the hardest things about boundaries, and like this is one of the reasons that they get kind of squishy, is that um, a boundary is only useful and helpful if you enforce it. 
So Mm -hmm. it's really easy to say, I don't, you know, like you have to get your flu shot. But then when they come to your house and they haven't gotten their flu shot, do you let them in the door? You know? And when we start to create boundaries, it's best to start to create small boundaries. Um, You know, things that might seem maybe kind of insignificant to one person, but to us feel like, like some movement, like I'm going to, you know, tell a, tell a waiter if I really do need an extra refill um, or um, say, you know, I, I asked for, um, you know, I asked for something this way. I understand that, that it has nothing to do with you, but it didn't come out this way. And I really needed this way because of X, Y, or Z. And so practicing enforcing that is really important. And and to go from zero to 100 is really tough. Mm. But, you know, ways to kind of do that, especially with this upcoming holiday season, is, you know, having a boundary buddy. Like, you know, if you are texting Ashley, like, this is kind of what you need to say. And so, like, when, if they're able to say that, and then they come and they're like, oh, my gosh, they're at my front door and they haven't gotten their flu shot. Or, you know, mm. they, t- they tell us that, you know, this is grandma's last Christmas, so we have to all get together, you know, like mm. having somebody that you can be like, I need some help just kind of shoring up my boundary a little bit. And so they can kind of like cheer you on. Um, partners are great for this, um, you know, and, and you know, just like, okay, this is our boundary and this is how we're going to set it and this is how we're going to support each other in it. And this is kind of how um, I'm going to get support from these other people until you become a little bit more confident in the usage of boundaries. I'm so glad that you brought up starting small because that was one question I wanted to ask is, you know, where do we start? Because when I think about setting boundaries, I think about that one exercise where you're supposed to like make superhero poses in the mirror to like pep yourself up to feel brave. (laughs) Like That's how I envision like starting these conversations is looking at myself in the mirror and being like, you can do this. Yeah. And so I love even the simplicity of you know, asking for that refill or, you know, getting that accountability partner. And one question I wanted to ask on that subject was, you know, what if you and your partner have different ideas of boundaries? What if your partner is more comfortable? Or what if, you know, there is that little bit of tension in there? Do you have any wisdom on how to navigate that? Or, and, or what if it, comes down to your partner's family. You know, maybe you feel more comfortable setting boundaries with your own family, but then to set them with your partner's family is super intimidating. Do you have any tips on that? Yeah. So Because we're going to write them down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a really good question because partners, you know, uh, partnerships are two different people. And so the likelihood that you will have different boundaries is as close to probably as 100% as you can get. And so that's when you have to kind of come together and be like, my boundary is this, your boundary is that, is there a middle ground? And if there really isn't, you know, how does it impact you like our children or our, our value system or um, our livelihood, things kind of like that. And then you try to find the way, the one that, you know, impacts those things the least or in the way that you want them impacted, you know? So, you know, talking about, let's go back to the flu shot example, like, your, uh, your husband or your partner's, um, uh, you know, mother is at the door. She hasn't had her flu shot. Um, your, your partner's like, I don't understand why it's such a big deal, but I guess I, you know, like I did sit there and I got the talk and I know all the statistics and things like that. And you've had the discussion that this is something that's really important more to protect your child, you know, than to, and this kind of goes back to that quote, than to like oblige a parent. Yeah. You know, and so sometimes it's it's the really hard role transition, you know, especially with family members of being the adult versus being a being the the child. Yeah. But having conversations like this is where my boundaries at, where is your boundary at with this? And and again, the other thing about boundaries is that they do change. You know, they they can change, they will change, they may change from day to day. I know, like when it came to Thanksgiving, my husband and I every single day were like, "Do we go see family? Do we not go see family? Let's go look at numbers. Let's go look at the, you know, like the, the statistical likelihood of somebody get in your gathering having COVID under ten right. people." And yeah. like we did that every single day leading up to Thanksgiving, yeah. and mm-hmm. we kept waffling back and forth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was, you know, we don't want to disappoint family. We don't mm-hmm. want to disappoint our own kids and getting together and, you know, how do we 
prep, if we, if we do choose to do this, how do we do it safely and in a way that feels comfortable? And so for every person, every family, that's going to look so different. And what's also tough is that it's very possible that within your, like your, your family of origin, like, let's say you have a sibling, their way of like, I think getting together this Christmas is a great idea. And we should have 20 people around the tree and don't forget about the company Christmas party. And, and you may be like, I'm not getting within 30 foot, 30 feet of people. And then, you know, you have a parent who's like, well, these are my two children. One feels this way. The other feels this way. Mm. You know, Mm. where's this middle ground? Or your brother slash sister says that they have no problem with coming to Christmas slash celebrations or slash Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever. Like, why can't you? Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, being on the same page as a partner or a support person is helpful and important because, again, it helps to shore up that boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen so many freaking warrior women in our group, right? Do this before the pandemic, right? We had to do mm-hmm. this type of stuff all, all the time. And and sometimes it was forcibly, right? Because sometimes people were trying to get up to the NICU to bring you baby clothes. And then you had to like have the nurse turn them away at the door and stuff. And I mean, I didn't do that, but it was, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, you you get a little bit used to it and so you practice it, but there are circumstances where you have family members, you present them with the boundary, you um, are hard on it, you're, you say, this is what I'm doing, you're consistent, um, and they uh, just don't understand and maybe they are resentful or consistently bring it up, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I know I've experienced things like that before. How do you navigate those conversations or, or begin reconciling when the boundary isn't going to move, um, yep. but you want to maintain a healthy relationship with this person you love. And that may, may just be like having the conversation of, I'm at X, you're at Y. I understand that this is probably not something that we're going to agree on, but I love you even though we may not agree on it. And I think like even like talking about like, especially this year, it feels like politics, um, you know, coming in with an open place and not a... Um, instead of like having like closed conversations where all you're trying to do is like um, dictate to the other person how they're supposed to think or feel, you know, if this other person's like keeps encroaching on this boundary, asking them, why can you just tell me what this, when you, when I say this, what, what you hear, what that means to you, how that makes you feel. Because a lot of times, you know, if they're willing to have a conversation, it's, I feel rejected, abandoned, left out, um, invalidated, unlovable, you know, it's a lot of their own thing. And that's really kind of what you have to really remember is that if somebody chooses to not respect a boundary, um, that is a realistic boundary, it has to do with their own stuff. And that's something you have to accept. Yeah, being an adult is really hard. It is so hard. <laughs> it is so hard. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a recurrence for us and we hear it a lot too is like you mentioned it's this reversal of people who were adults when you were a child. So maybe it's not necessarily even parents, but it's grandparents, aunts and uncles or just close loved ones that are were adults yep. while you were children. And so talking to them like human beings, you know, like fellow adults is is like is jarring. It's jarring to have to talk to someone in that parent-child relationship um, as an equal. It mm. is. It is a very weird thing to do, especially like, like, no, it's just always weird. Yes. Yeah. You know, because they'll always be your parent, yeah. you know, no matter how old you are, how old they are. And it is weird, you know, when you have to have some of those conversations where, you know, it's, I'm speaking to you not as a child, but I'm speaking to you as another parent. Mm -hmm. Or I'm speaking to you as another adult or as your peer. You know, one thing that's challenging additionally about, you know, this specific with parents is that the like you want them to be close to their grandkids. And sometimes it feels like setting these boundaries communicates that you're trying to take that away from them, you know? And so sometimes these conversations feel additionally hairy and really hard to navigate because the last thing you want is distance between them and their grandkids. And yet in these specific times, that's what keeps both of you safe. And that's such a hard line and such a hard balance. And it feels like you're always going to hurt someone's feelings. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
It is. And, and, you know, I, I love the way that Martha put it. Like, I need this because of this, mm-hmm. you know, I need, I really need you to um, respect my decision that we're not going to come home this Christmas because it was really hard for me to make. Mm-hmm. And I love you so much. And there's nothing that I want more, but you raised me to be a great parent. Mm-hmm. You have been such a positive role model that I need to think about what is best for my family. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that you're not best for us. It just means that what's best for us is, is doing this one action so that later we have the ability to get together as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Just because we have this one thing doesn't mean that this thing lasts forever. Mm-hmm. It's just in this moment. I love that that too affirms the person that you're setting the boundary with too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that it's like, it's equal parts affirming to you and honoring your, your heart and what you need, but it's also affirming them and your love for them. And that, you know, this boundary doesn't change our relationship or how I feel about you. Right. This is just what I need. I love that. Right. And that's exactly it is that you can set a boundary and not be like rigid or black and white or aggressive or confrontational. You know, Mm -hmm. that it may come to that if they continue to violate it over and over and over again. But when you're first having it or first setting it, like the conversation should be one that is full of care and compassion and empathy. Mm -hmm. Like this is hard for both of us. I get it. Mm -hmm. This isn't a decision that I want to make. I don't want you to spend, you know, our, your grandchild's first Christmas without them. That is not what I expected or envisioned at all. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, they're, they're really high risk or, um, you know, we don't have the ability to, to make sure that everybody is safe and, and I'm not willing to gamble on their life. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing, just to add on it, to see if we can provide the audience even with another layer that's specific to the NICU, so many moms in the online support group and in conversations we've had at our girls' night outs have said, you know, a recurring phrase they hear in response to their boundaries being set is you're living in fear. Stop living in fear. Yeah. Another one is you're living in the past. The baby's healthy now. You're not in the NICU anymore. Right. So, um, obviously these people weren't, you know, they weren't in the NICU being the direct recipients of the traumatic experience, you know, seeing Mm -hmm. their child on, on CPAP and life support. Um, uh, you know, seeing their little lungs develop. So I, maybe I think all of the script that we've kind of heard that you can practice in saying these things is really helpful. But is there any anything we could add on to it to respond to those things? You're living in fear. No, your baby, your baby's fine. The NICU, your the NICU's over. I think you know um, a good thing to kind of fall back on is why are you making the decision? Which is like a lot of times it's well. I understand that it may like seem like that, but I'm really following my doctor's guidelines or I understand that they're out of the NICU, but they're actually, you know, still on NICU developmental timeline or, you know, preemie timeline development. Um, And, you know, you see them during the day and they're not on oxygen, but they still need oxygen to sleep. Or, you know, they're, um, you're right. It it does seem like it was a couple of months ago, but for us, it's still very much something that we live with day to day. And so if you can use why you're choosing to make those decisions a little bit Mm -hmm. as part of the explanation, that might help. Um, But if they're just like, well, I think you just need to get over it or like you're just living in fear. Be like, I I understand that um, it might be difficult to to understand why we're choosing to make this decision. But uh, I really just hope you choose to respect the fact that this is the decision that we've made. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that gets to the hard part of it, which is just sometimes it's just going to feel not great <laughs> because yeah. mm-hmm. I, especially as women, maybe because we're Midwesterners in particular, <laughs> like if I like set a boundary and someone's like, no, then I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, for this, for it, I'm just going to like move and change my name. Like I don't, yeah. it's, it's hard to really stay strong in that and be like, this is uncomfortable and it's not settled right now. You know, um, there's some tension right now. And so you kind of have to be okay with that to some degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which again, like adulting is so hard. 
Yeah. Well, and when you said that, I thought about how many times, you know, going back to our text threads, we've texted each other to just ask for like some cheerleading after we set mm. a boundary, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's the other beauty of, you know, not only having close friends who understand, but also the private support group is like, we have so many moms that post and say, I did this for the first time. I feel awful. Can you just tell me that that was a good job or that I did okay with that? You know, yes, yeah. <laughs> having those sisters in your life to commend you for setting boundaries is just so helpful in actually setting them and implementing them. Yeah. And I think, yeah, having that person that just helps you can kind of reassure you like that is all wonderful and really great. And, you know, part of, of setting boundaries is that sometimes it feels icky. Um, but it's also going to feel really icky when they violate them as well. Yeah. Yeah. But something that you have to really make sure that you're aware of when you're setting a boundary is that you do need to communicate it because it's really easy to be like, well, they should have known, or Mm -hmm. they knew me, they raised me, they're my partner. They should have known that this wasn't okay. Unless they got, uh, you know, a a, um, PhD in mind reading, we're going to assume (laughs) that nobody knows what goes on. Yeah. And so sometimes we just have to be like, this is how I feel about this. Could we try something, Natalie? And if it doesn't work, it's totally fine. Yeah. But- <laughs> I'm like, what is it going to be? I have no idea. Whenever you do this stuff, I'm like, what is it? What's going to happen? <laughs> could we do, could we practice some conversations with you just here on the podcast? Absolutely. Could we like a couple examples and, you know, maybe these can just be a guidepost for future conversations. Could we try a couple? Absolutely. Okay, Martha, I'll I'll do one and then you do one. Okay, yes. I'm going to pull this theater degree in so hard. <laughs> Bring in the voice. This the is voice. my moment. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so let's say that um, you are me and I am my mom or my dad, and we have decided this year to not come home for Christmas. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So it might be something like, Hey, mom. Um, how are things going? They're going so well. I've just been checking off my list and getting all the things ready for Christmas this year. I know. I'm so excited for Christmas. Um, you know, it's always been one of my favorite times of year. You and dad just do so much stuff to make it so special. And I have always appreciated that about you guys. Um, and that's, it's a, you know, it's a tradition. I really hope to kind of pass on to little Johnny as well. Um, but unfortunately the really, really hard thing is that Joe and I have talked and decided that, you know, Johnny has, uh, been out of the NICU. It hasn't even been a year, um, that it, it's best if we just maybe practice some social distancing this year. And I can't even tell you how hard it was to make this decision and how much I want to be with you this Christmas. But, you know, really just thinking about what is the thing that is going to allow us to be the best parents like you and dad? What is the best thing that is going to make sure that Johnny stays safe um, so that maybe we can do Easter and Christmas next year and Thanksgiving next year? And we have decided that it's, it's you know, staying home this Christmas. and. I'm really disappointed. Joe is disappointed. Um, but I just really wanted to let you know that this is our decision. Okay. I'm going to do two responses. That was perfect. Okay. So let's do, let's do the first response where I say, thank you so much for listening to your heart and what you need. I'm so proud of you for being just an amazing mom. I, I see how you advocate and care for your son. And I'm so proud of you. And then let's do the response of, um, well, Ashley, he's been out of the NICU. He's totally fine. I I just saw him like a couple months ago and he he was breathing fine. He's eating fine. I mean, when are you going to start treating him like a normal kid? Yeah, I understand what you're saying, mom, that it's really hard to understand maybe why we made this decision. Um, So let me kind of tell you why, you know, um, we, we've talked to the doctors, we've been listening to kind of healthcare experts say, and they think that people that, you know, have experience or are immunocompromised, and Johnny is, even though you only saw him a couple months ago, and it's really easy to not recognize that, you know, he was on oxygen, and he still is some nights if he, you know, if um, we just actually got took it off oxygen completely last month. And so up to that point, there were nights 
where he was still on oxygen. Um, not every night, but some nights. And, you know, we are, not only are we in this COVID crisis, but it is cold and flu season and RSV. And it's not just these other things that we're kind of worried about. Um, you know, it's not just COVID. There are some of these other things. And I understand that it's really, really disappointing. And again, this was a really hard decision for us to make. But in order for us to really recognize and hopefully help little Johnny just be as healthy and uh, and as developmentally um, same as his peers is to kind of just do these things to make sure that he gives his lung who gives his lungs time to develop. And you know, I would much rather him spend when he's two and three and four and five and has memories and has the ability to retain those memories to spend those Christmases with you and have them be stress-free and just so much full of joy. That was so good. (laughs) I want to like listen to that on repeat and then just put it in my notes. So I have it always. Why not? You're just like, like, okay, hold on. Here's what I need to say. Like, just play it. But I think, you know, something that's really important to remember also is that if it's entirely possible, the person setting the boundary with like a parent or a family member needs to be the person from that family, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, that way, like, let's say, you know, your mother-in-law comes in, like having, you know, your husband try to set or to set the boundary beforehand, and then you can come in and go ahead and, um you know, reinforce and things like that. But generally it can, it can go a little bit smoother if it comes from kind of that inner familial connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point and really important to remember. Okay, Martha, All right. let's use that music. Let's use that theater degree. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Ooh, I've been warming <laughs> up. Okay. So let's, I was thinking maybe we could do one where, um, you know, Natalie, your uh, Nikki mom just brought baby home um, and screening visitors for sickness, you know, making sure they have their vaccines before they come in and visit baby, especially now, right? Because of pandemic, probably just mom and dad are seeing baby. Um, And I'm uh, your good friend and I have a baby gift. I want to swing by the house and drop it off. Um, But you also know that I just had a, I've had, I have a cold. So, uh, it's, it's something where we want to draw a hard boundary about not having her, your friend come in. Is that sound okay? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because I feel like this has happened. I've been ambushed by lovely, well-meaning people with beautiful gifts and coffee, um, but it's hard to do. Okay. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. So I'm gonna, I'll knock at the I'm door. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> Ding dong. That's the doorbell. Okay. Hey, I'm not answering my door. <laughs> yes. Okay. So maybe I call you then. <laughs> okay. That's great. Hello. Hey, uh, I'm outside. I have a baby gift for the little man. Oh, you're outside right now? Yeah, I'm outside your front door. And I brought you coffee too. Your favorite? Oh, L- oh half my gosh. Half vanilla macchiato chai, um, dirty um, uh, espresso double. Oh my gosh, Martha, that is so sweet of you. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Um, It's how sweet of you to think of me and our little man. Um, But right now, unfortunately, we're not having visitors in the house. We just got out of the hospital and he's really, really sensitive to any sort of germ or anything like that. And so, you know, even Joe and I have like, really strict kind of um, procedures that we go through um, even when when Joe comes home uh, just even from work Uh, so a couple questions so would you want to like reschedule for a later date would that be easier or um, I don't want to make you have to run around again but at the same time I recognize that you really went out of your way to come and bring me these things I mean is there any way I could just sneak in and say hi to him and just like squeeze his toes or something Oh, Martha, I I totally get it. And I love the fact that you are so excited to meet him. That really just makes me feel really good about our friendship and knowing that, you know, you're as excited about meeting him as he will be about you. But unfortunately, now we can't. I think that's pretty great. I think that's pretty clear. I feel like I would have been like, I would have been like, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> and <laughs> if it was me, I would have felt really, really bad. And then I would have cried about it and then called my therapist. But if it was, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been over at that person's house anyway, to start with. <laughs> no, that was so good. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it is tough, especially if they're like right there. And, you know, like, I think, you know, you can just ask them to reschedule. You don't have to be like, just leave it at the front step. Because mm-hmm. they don't have to just leave it at the front step. If, if, if the purpose of them bringing the gift or whatever was to get to see you and to get to meet the baby or see the baby or things like that, just offer them a different option. Totally. And if they choose to leave it there, that's their decision. You're not like, I refuse to see you. Leave your gifts at my front step, which, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's I, so good. Especially now, too, I feel like there's so many different things that we can um, – everyone's gotten so creative. Like I've seen people – hold their babies up like seeing people meet NICU babies through windows you know like the living room window and the facetiming mm-hmm. and things like that too so um I I think that was great and it's it's like I feel like short and clear is is kind yeah. it's hard to do because you want to keep explaining yourself but yep. also mm-hmm. it's the thing that kind of is the most direct yep for sure yeah that was so fun Ashley that was so fun. Thanks for doing that, you guys. <laughs> wow. Really grateful for that BFA now, you know, putting it to good yes. use. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. So maybe let's just do a little recap because this is a an episode that I think many of us will listen to time and time again. Mm-hmm. So um, first, so just to clarify, when I set a boundary, it doesn't mean that I am putting up walls in my relationships with loved ones or that I'm overreacting or that I'm unintentionally sabotaging a relationship, right? Absolutely not. Again, boundaries are just really great guidelines of like, hey, this is how you can show that you respect and care for me. You know, and I think, again, it's it's really great if you have the ability to start small um, and kind of set boundaries as you go. Um, also to think about, you know, having somebody to support you as you set boundaries and really reinforce them. And also that, you know, a boundary has to be communicated. And mm-hmm. so you can't, we just can't assume that people know, you know, the right things to do or to say or what our expectations are. So we do have to communicate them. Can I ask a question real quick about the communication part? Because we do live in a digital age where, you know, not all of our conversations happen, you know, especially now in front of the, you know, with that person physically. Mm -hmm. So when is it appropriate, you know, when is it necessary that it be a verbal communication and when is it, you know, permissible or okay for it to be something that's more in like a text or, you know, in that type of way. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I think um, if at all possible, verbal is best. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if it, if the, especially something like that feels like a really bigger, like a much bigger boundary, like holidays or vaccinations or um, whatever it might be having a conversation like that. It needs, it needs to be done verbally because you can't tell connotation. You can't tell emotion, body language, tone of voice, anything like that over text message. And it's Mm -hmm. really easy to interpret it in a way that's in your head using your own self narrative language. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it needs to be done verbally if at all possible. But I mean, like if it's just, again, starting small, maybe a lot of the smaller boundaries do feel like something they can do over text. Like, Hey, I don't feel like going out tonight. I have to work in the morning, mm-hmm. you know? And they're like, well, come on. be like, no, thanks you guys. I appreciate it. Have a great time. I'm out to bed. Mm-hmm. Like that's a boundary again, that can be done over text very easily. But I know, like, if I was a mother-in-law or a mother and my daughter told me she wasn't coming home for Christmas over text message, I may have a few things to say just about that. (laughs) Yes. And just to clarify that, you know, let's say that I was setting a boundary with a mother-in-law or in-laws or, you know, my partner's extended family. That is a conversation that is best done with my partner leading that conversation, correct? Yes. If at all possible, absolutely. Like, Mm -hmm. unless like there's like an ambush or something like that. (laughs) And even then you can be like, you know, let's wait to talk about this until I've had time to talk to Joe, you know, (laughs) or, you know, let me talk to Lacey and we'll figure out and get back to you on how we're feeling about that. Mm 
you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on when boundaries change or shift. So let's say that for Thanksgiving, we felt really comfortable, but for Christmas, we don't or vice versa. Mm, yeah, that's, yeah. And, you know, navigating the, the responses of loved ones when it comes to how our personal boundaries change. How do you recommend or do you have any tips on how to navigate that well? Yeah, I think, again, it kind of comes back to, well, this is the reason that we've, we've made our decision. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, so we, you know, we came for Thanksgiving. We chose to come because of X, Y, or Z. Um, or, you know, we're not coming for, or we're coming for Christmas, but not Thanksgiving because of X, Y, or Z. And, you know, again, kind of bottom line is that you are allowed to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can even give, talk about that. But at the end of the day, the only thing that other people really need to know is what the expectation is. Mm-hmm. You don't even really have to do a whole lot of explaining. I mean, it helps. It helps the boundary be received better. But at the end of the day, if it's just like, hey, we're not coming for Christmas, really sorry. That's that's kind of the, the main point that needs to be stated. Mm-hmm. Well, mamas, we know that this episode was a lot to digest. And if you're new to setting boundaries, can feel really overwhelming. And if you've been setting boundaries, hopefully also affirming. And so mamas, we just want to remind you that setting boundaries is a way to kind of set the precedent for how other people treat you. And so it does not make you a rigid mom or an uptight mom. What it really means is you're just advocating for your family and for your baby. And so no matter the boundaries that you find yourself setting, we just want to affirm how proud we are of you and also commend the strength that it takes to make those boundaries. And so we hope this episode was encouraging and affirming and uh, we just, we wish you guys the best as you plan your holiday this year. Just know that you can't make a wrong decision. So we love you and we'll chat with you guys next time. Thanks again, Natalie, for being on. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.